Hey everyone, it's Taylor from the New York Gun Guys. On today's episode, we're going to talk with a Long Island local who took on Nassau County in the fight to take back our Second Amendment rights. But first, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts from, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Um, glad to have you all back. We're back from a little bit of a hiatus. I took some time off after the new year, and um, there's been a lot going on, but um, kind of focusing on getting some guests on the show and interviewing people whom I feel could provide a great deal of information to my listeners and the public at large. On today's show, we have a very special guest who took, his, who took time to come talk to me today. His name is Joseph Kamenshek Esquire. He's an attorney here on Long Island. Um, he's an employment lawyer exclusively representing employees with a particular focus on wage theft matters as well as wrongful termination issues. Now, that may seem a little like what, what does that have to do with anything? But Mr. Kamenshek decided to take on Nassau County Pistol License Bureau in a lawsuit. So, Mr. Kamenshek, Joseph, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Taylor. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you here this morning on this uh, lovely, delightful uh, day with this uh, beach weather, right? Yes, very much beach weather, Russian beach weather. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so just a little background. I met uh, Joseph, Mr. Kamenshek, through Reddit, and um, his story was really interesting to me, and I reached out, and I, I really just had to commend you on what you did and what you're doing for the two way community. And like I said, in the intro, it, it kind of just seems for out of left field that you got into it. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what, what's going on? Sure. Absolutely. So, um, I, uh, became familiar with the abuses that, uh, that were related to the, um, you know, segment, second amendment related, um, issues on Long Island uh, through news articles that that came out pertaining to uh, this uh, important case in the field. I'm sure you're familiar with it, Bruin. <laughs> yes, the Bruin decision. Yes. And I, I sort of wish that I never came across those articles, and I wouldn't <laughs> be so, uh, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't have taken such a deep dive into this area. And uh, have expended so much time on it, but I think it's an important subject, and um, that's that's sort of how I became involved in this particular uh, subject matter area, because I did not like the way that uh, particularly the local counties were handling themselves when it came to uh, Second Amendment rights here in in New York. Right. Downstate Long Island, New York City, we, we tend to get the short arm of rights as opposed to the upstate counties, which has always been kind of a looser, more relaxed, more pro-gun friendly environment. Um, now, right. Now, you reside in Nassau County, and this is where this whole thing takes place. I, I too, reside in Nassau County, so I, I understand your frustrations completely. So why don't we get into how... You, so you heard about the Bruin decision, and then you decided to do this, but were, mm -hmm. were you were you a gun owner before any of this? Are you a gun owner currently, or are you just taking on the system just to, to for, the, for the reasons that everyone is getting screwed? Uh, I am a gun owner. Now, the, the thing about Bruin is I... I came across this whole issue when Bruin was not decided yet. 
it, it sort of came up on my radar again through those through those new articles uh, that um, that I became aware of for for one reason or another, uh, and, and it's possible that it came across uh, my radar because during the height of COVID, and I think I might have uh, told you this before, uh, I was getting a little bit concerned about the uh, the stock market, the the economic. Uh, situation that uh, that we were facing during that particular time came a, a bit worried that we may experience some sort of level of of lawlessness, uh, not just in New York, but uh, I, I think throughout the throughout the country. And I started to think that I really have nothing to defend, not only myself. Uh, uh, from from potential dangers out there, but I also have nothing to defend my uh, family if uh, if I find myself or or them in a in a dire situation like that, and that was a bit scary. So I think at that particular moment I started looking into the process. What's the process? What are the laws that are applicable to acquiring a, a firearm of of any sort? In uh, New York, you know, I I didn't have any uh, illusions <laughs> that in New York it's uh, uh, it's more complex than what you'd have in other states. So I, and again, I was familiar with uh, the regulatory uh, schematic in New York when it when it pertains to something like that. Mm-hmm. So I um, I wanted to get some sort of basic uh, familiarity with uh, you know what does it take to to get armed. In New York, and the the more I looked into that, I think uh, perhaps the the Google al- algorithm was <laughs> was uh, telling me that listen, you might want to be uh, you might want to be looking into this Bruin case that hasn't been decided yet, um, and uh, th- I think that's how I came across it. Uh, but as 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 far as uh, I, th- I think the what was the second part of your question? Um, as, uh, what, let me go along on this. The second, I actually forget about the second part of my question. I was just listening <laughs> to, so I, I don't remember what the second part of my question was. But if, if okay. I if I had to take a guess, it was kind of you know what led you down this road and and what made you decide to take on the county. That was it. What, what made you decide to take on Nassau County in this? What led me down that road? I I think that again, it started off with my uh, my heightened interest in potentially becoming armed uh, during the height of COVID. I, I at that moment, wasn't, uh, I, I acquired any firearms. That, that came later on. And that actually came uh, around the time when uh, Governor Hochul had uh, adopted, I think, these uh, provisions. It, it might have been in response to the, uh, the tragedy that happened, I think, in Buffalo. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm referring to? Yes. Yeah. The, the, the... I, it, it, yeah. The, the regulatory scheme becomes a little bit wishy-washy because so much stuff has been happening yes. as of late. So I don't exactly remember what specific uh, statute came when, but there there was a uh, a restriction that was going to come into play that pertained to the acquisition of 
long arms. Yeah, that was after uh, Buffalo. Semi-automatics. Yeah, that was after Buffalo. That was after Buffalo, right? Yeah, they they basically that wasn't a, that wasn't a Bruin thing, right? No, that wasn't Bruin. That was separate. That this was because of the the the, uh, the the shooting that happened up at Buffalo that the state mm-hmm. decided that they need to treat semi-automatic long guns like pistols, and so they amended the pistol licensing section part of the law. To they put in four words and semi-automatic rifles or three words technically. Mm-hmm. They added those three words to the, the penal law there, and um, and then that's why now in the state you need a semi-automatic license, which is basically the same as a pistol license, to purchase, not possess, but to to take possession of a rifle. So all these people who have rifles already, um, this is well, I I personally think, and this is just my opinion, that they're going to go the way of registration. For all rifles, because why take this first step if they're not going to take the second? It's easy. It was it. This was the biggest barrier to get this step implemented. And in my opinion, they're going to go full Monty with it. But that's just that's my opinion. Yeah. So oh, I, I would I would think that, that, you know, on that particular subject, I'm a little bit confused about the whole registry issue, because it would appear that we essentially have a registry system now. Essentially, well, um, I, I would think I would think that's the case. No, I, I, particularly when it comes to to pistols. Yes, pistols in New York State they do have a registry. They've had one for a long time. All pistols in the state of New York have to be legally owned and registered and on your. So if you get a pistol permit, all the gun, all the pistols you possess are, are on your ID card. You and you could get multiple cards if you fill up enough spaces to get that. Um, as far as long arms, right. the state now is introducing a statewide internal background check system for firearms purchases and ammunition, which is a de facto registry. Before this, we relied on the 4473 system, the NIC system through the federal government background check to uh, to get our background checks. And that was the only record, let's just say, that somebody might have purchased a gun through that background check, um, which isn't technically... But when you, when you purchase... Uh, I apologize for no, interrupting. All right. when, when you purchase When you purchase a, a rifle, I'm, I'm talking about before... Yeah, before all this nonsense. Um, before the license requirement for long arms, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you go, you pick one up, you do a 15-minute NICS check. Yeah. There still has to be something on the books, at least at the, at the gun dealer. There is. Uh, in the their, FFL. Yes, in their, in their logs... They should have a, the gun coming in into inventory and then the gun going out to inventory. So if if you really that's why I said there is a registry, no matter which way you look at it. If if a local Long Island FFL But there's longer or, or regular pistol, there's still some Yeah, still some sort of registry it would seem like. Yes. I mean it's a registry in the sense that there is a transaction recorded on it. Now, federally speaking, yeah. the only time they look through those is if there's a trace on those on that particular gun but again let's just say i bought an old you know world war ii bolt action rifle now that gun there's Mm -hmm. no manufacturer i mean there might be a manufacturer on it but it's not like i could go to glock or the the government could go to glock and say hey glock who'd you sell this pistol serial number xx whatever whatever to oh we sold it to davis distributed davis distributed sold it to long island gun shop long island gun shop then sold it to you know miss kamachek now that's but with so there is a quasi registry if they want to follow the paper trail um, hard enough or right. if they have a reason to. It's not so like with long guns before all this, you couldn't just sit down at a computer, type in a serial number and a name and something pops up. There had to be right. searches done. So for the firearms tracing center, which I believe is in West Virginia or Northern Virginia, 
they have boxes and boxes and boxes of paperwork from old FFLs that are no longer in business that they they can't make a searchable database, but they could scan to microfilm or they could scan to PDF as long as it's not searchable just to reduce the bulk in paper. Um, but yeah, there, there always will be a record of a gun sold in the state of New York, sold, traded, bought, whatever. Right. That, that's what I was confused about because it, it would appear that to the Second Amendment community, there's this uh, concern about registry in general. Yes. But it would, uh, it would um, appear based off of the actual paper trail. Like if, if you go to an FFL and you get a, uh, uh, and you purchase a rifle, right. you go through the NICS check. Um, if, if there is an incident uh, with a particular person mm-hmm. and they want to find out uh, what specific firearms this individual has, uh, I would think that the ATF or, or whoever uh, can find out whether or not there was a NICS check. Like, is, is there a record of what specific FFL requested the NICS check um, like on, on, on what date? And I don't know that. I honestly don't know that. Um, obviously, a lot of the... I'm just, I, I don't know why I'm bringing this up. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, I, I it's, it's our own paranoia as, as gun owners, I suppose. No, I don't yeah, know because yeah. everything's done... Like, a lot of the NICS checks are done electronically now. I'm not sure... They, they might keep a record of which dealer did it, but again, there has to be a reason for somebody to go looking. So let's just say, um, you know, this guy named Bill got... We, we like using Bill's right. name here as a, as a hypothetical person, let's just say. Bill sure. got in trouble with the law, and they, they search his house, and they find a gun, but they want to know if there's more guns. Well, they can't really go... Unless they ask him, hey, Bill, you got any more guns? He says no, but let's just say he lies, and, and he does. He's purchased more guns. I mean, theoretically, you can't go to every FFL and just say, hey, have you ever sold a gun to Bill? They're going to be like, you got a warrant? Like, and even then, they're not going to be searching through... 10 years of paperwork just to find one guy's thing. So it, it's kind of like they have to have... Well, what, what, what if what if there's a subpoena? That, my whole thing is, yeah. no matter how you slice it and dice it, yeah. uh, there there is a registry. Yes. It's, just, it's, a, it's a registry that that's not centralized. Right. So so if the ATF wants to... If the ATF has a problem with you, for example, right? Oh, boy. They, they, they look... They can potentially... And I'm wrong. They could potentially look into uh, who has run a NICS check on you. What FFL has requested a NICS check on transactions pertaining to you, Taylor, right? For they example. probably could. And I then, wouldn't put it past them. And, and then from there, you, you okay, okay, look, this FFL, this particular store ran a NICS check. Now we know exactly where to go looking for any sort of transactions that Taylor has made in however many years. Uh, perhaps based off of a subpoena, a, uh, I guess a subpoena deuces tecum where you have to produce uh, records. Right. They can then find out exactly what weapons you've purchased. Uh, is that not a registry? It is. In my opinion, it is. And that's that's a big reason why, um, as of late, there's been issues with um, people saying that the 4473, the background check system, is a registry which i think it is it's it's not like i said you could just sit down at a computer and pull up a name or whatever but it it, it is like you said you have to have a reason and if you if you can find the information you can find the paper trail you could find out who purchased what and that's why i i think states like outside of new york where let's just say you don't need a background check between private parties to purchase a firearm because it is just inherently a piece of property and as long as the buyer is not a prohibited person is not a felon 
um, and you can even take down their yeah. contact info as a, as a safeguard against that, I think that's a much better system because not everything, in my opinion, should be under the, the thumb of the government, especially when it comes to our rights. You know, I the Second Amendment oftentimes gets treated sure. as a second-class right. For example, imagine if you... Every every book you take out of the library, they they know and they watch and they can say, oh well, we don't we don't like you reading 1984 by George Orwell, you know. It it it's we don't want you doing that. We know you read that book. It, it it's kind of like the same thing. So, I guess a lot of people right. like yourself are finding out that a lot of this government overreach pertaining, especially to firearms, is also probably applicable to a lot of other facets of our lives. And most people just kind of right. go through life and are lackadaisical and are, oh, well, it's it's for the better good. It's for this. It's for this. But meanwhile, it's it's a long arm of government that infringes on our rights as a whole, regardless of what right. side and, of the and, political and you know spectrum what? you're on. Sure. And, and, and uh, again, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I took this on. Yes. I think that when it comes to the what I say are blatant infringements on the Second Amendment, uh, particularly by uh, county-level mm. licensing officers. It's the worst. Uh, you then have to, uh, then begs the question, if they are so blatantly disregarding uh, you know, constitutional law, Supreme Court precedent when it comes to this sort of thing, you know, what else is going on there is, is a bit um, concerning. Yes. Uh, and, well, and, and by the way, go, going back to the registry for, for a moment, uh, for whoever might be listening, I'm not saying one way or the other whether or not I have a problem with the registry of decentralized, centralized. Um, I'm just bringing up <laughs> that topic for for discussion. Yeah. Um, now, the the other question that I I apologize that I keep on dodging for whatever reason. Uh, you, you mentioned so so what happened with Nassau County? Right. Why so why did I go down that road? Yes. Right? What did you What did you decide to do about it as an individual? Um, as a person who recently just saw that things weren't right with the county or the state or the procedures, what what did you do? So um, I uh, this was around the time again where uh, you know Bruin was decided uh, because again before Bruin came out, you didn't know for sure what exactly it's going to look like. Right, you you had some sort of anticipation that. It was going to be a significant decision, but you didn't you didn't really know uh, what ultimately it's gonna uh, it's gonna hold, how far they're gonna go. Uh, I was expecting a, a perhaps a lot more. Like I have a bit of a a love and hate relationship when it comes to Bruin, but after Bruin was decided, I I felt that for uh, it's it's a matter of uh, personal uh, opinion as far as. Uh, or, or personal preference, rather, as far as whether or not uh, a, a long arm or a pistol is uh, more appropriate for, uh, you know, self-defense or mm-hmm. the home or, or outside of the home, or whatever, uh, you know, circumstances uh, somebody might be facing. But in my, pers- my personal preference was, you know, ultimately, I think a pistol makes more sense. Yes, it uh, does. I, I don't anticipate uh, you know, walking around uh, and potentially concerning, uh, you know, New Yorkers that perhaps are are not are not accustomed to seeing people walking around with, you know, an AR-15 or or, or whatever it might be, uh, you know, uh, on your shoulder. Right. Uh, that uh, that wasn't my intent, but uh, it, it would appear, for practical purposes, a pistol would potentially make more sense. Yes. So, uh, and um, 
And again, as far as purchasing a long arm, uh, I did that uh, in response to uh, Governor Hochul's initiative to impose a licensing requirement. Yes. And and I wanted to get in there before that took effect because I didn't want to be burdened or inundated with those uh, with those requirements that that are imposed on on New Yorkers, right. which which of course again vary from county to county substantially. Yes. Okay. So I that was essentially what prompted me to to you know run out and get whatever I could before the the clock run out uh, ran out. Um, but f- f- as far as the pistol licensing, again, I I, th- I thought that a pistol makes more sense, so I started looking into it in more depth, and I, I started reaching out to people, um, uh, you know, in the community to try to figure out you know what this all means. I tried to reach, uh, I, I tried to to read articles on the subject. And it became apparent that after Bruin, nothing was really changing. No. I, I don't know if you you would uh, agree with that sentiment. The only thing that really nothing changed. Nothing was changing. The only thing that changed yeah. is like now they're like, oh, all right, now we have to give them concealed carry permits. That's really the only thing that changed. They're begrudgingly recognizing our rights, but they put up many more roadblocks since then. Uh, For example, to get even like if you have a pistol permit, let's just say you wanted to get a concealed carry endorsement before Bruin, you didn't need to take a 16 hour class with two hours of live fire. And in Nassau County, you didn't have to submit a drug test through your urine. You didn't have to, you know, it. they put up all these roadblocks after the fact that you didn't have to before. So um, like you said, some people say, oh, Bruin screwed everything. But. I, I disagree with that whole sentiment because, in my opinion, I saw on Reddit, I browsed the New York Guns subreddit much like yourself. I saw somebody post a New York City concealed carry permit, and they said, you know, I never thought I'd see the day I'd have this. I'm like, we are going in the right direction if good, honest, law-abiding people in the city of New York can have a carry permit. Now, where you can carry and how you can use it is up now for debate and, and law and everything, but... The fact that we're moving, you know, we took one step forward and they pushed us five steps back, but we still took that one step forward, and that to me is a big right. deal. Right. No, I, I agree with you. That that's why again, I I have a bit of a uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a, a love hate relationship with with Bruin. Right. Um, because did it go far enough? Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know if it went far enough, but. You also, looking at this from the perspective uh, of of the law, you know, being an attorney, the the Supreme Court does their best to take a very incremental approach when it comes to making these uh, major decisions. Okay. Okay. Otherwise, it's just an activist court that uh, that is legislative. That's that's not the purpose of the Supreme Court. The, right. the Supreme Court is is essentially there to import uh, impose what we believe is the is the floor mm-hmm. that where you can't go beyond this 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 threshold. They're not looking to um, essentially legislate or to advocate that the uh, advocate a, a a fair position and impose it on on the entire country. That that's I, I don't think that's how the the Supreme Court operates. That's why could they have gone further? Absolutely, but again, that's that's not the that's not the purpose of the Supreme Court, right? And you know, it so, took them up until I think yeah. what was it, two thousand eight or two thousand ten, with Heller 
and uh, McDonald to basically say that, right. you know, the Second Amendment applies to the individual for self-protection, even though clear as day in the Constitution, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The people who are the people, they make up the militia. What's the purpose of the militia? A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. So, like you said, very right. incremental, and and that's a good way to put it. Otherwise, it would be an activist court. It would be a tyranny of the majority, and um, they would really just be swinging wildly either way, depending on what social issues the country now faces. I think Bruin, though, set a perfect, um, set up a really good context because it had to deal with scrutiny. It had to deal with you know text informed by as informed by tradition. Um, which means that, like, as something as right. as foundational as the Second Amendment and the Bill of Rights, you have to look at it through the lens of not what's going on today, but what has historically been done and what has been changed over time. You know, you can't just say, well, in 1791, they didn't allow African-Americans to own guns, so no guns for them. No, it, it's not about that. It's about history as informed by text and tradition. So what has happened incrementally from that time, the totality of everything, not just how we feel now. And especially if you look at the laws, um, the New York, for example, the Sullivan Act in New York City, it, it was made specifically to bar immigrants, labor unions, and people that they didn't deem worthy to have a, a gun from, from owning a gun. Yeah, j- just, take a, just take a look at who proposed the Sullivan Act. What, what is the origin of that statutory scheme? It's, it's a very bizarre history, but yes. it's an interesting one because— it's, um, for lack of a better word, it, it, there were some corrupt justifications as to why that whole statutory scheme came about. Right. So that that should tell you a little bit about uh, the, uh, the merit behind keeping this uh, this regulatory uh, you know protocol in place because it's it's not really meant to. Uh, promote freedom. No, uh, that's that's for sure. I think you would agree with me on I that. I would agree. Yes, wholeheartedly, oh, wholeheartedly. Right. And and as far as again, as far as Nassau County, I I started looking at that pistol. Yes. Uh, Getting back to uh, Nassau you know, County. protocol. Yeah, I started looking at that pistol protocol, and um, uh, I I was looking at it, and again, I I felt that nothing was really changing in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, does it sound like they they can't really use uh, the uh, proper cause requirement as a justification to deny licenses. Yeah, sure, that goes away. But again, the fact that they still inundate you with these uh, burdensome requirements, that that didn't go away. No, it didn't. Even though the Supreme Court, at the very least, is is cautioning uh, you know local licensing officers to uh, to not do things of that sort. Right. Uh, they they ignore the spirit of Bruin by just treating this as business as usual. And and mind you, I, I look, I don't know if you've had any experience with uh, you know, speaking with uh, the the officers at the, at the pistol licensing section or or speaking with uh, people at at the county level whether it be the the executive or uh, attorneys that uh, you know represent the the county with respect to this issue but there is this very odd sense of entitlement yes that they get to they are the gatekeepers they get to control uh this process and uh look um i i don't like that i think that's also one of the reasons why i was um 
you know, prompted to take the, the course of action that I took because, uh, you know, I, 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 you've read my papers. I'm, I'm pretty yes, sure of it. Yeah. You, you, you knew, you, you know about what my, my issues were. Right. So tell the, the way if you that, can just sum it yeah. up, tell the public here. Uh, Cause I, you, in the past, I've, I've looked over the papers you share with me and why your reasonings for doing what you're doing. But basically in short, you sued Nassau County. Right, right, right. Specifically, the the local licensing officer. Yes. I don't think you would technically be able to sue Nassau County and, and get away with it. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I sued I sued the uh, the commissioner okay. of of the uh, local police here because that's that's considered the local licensing officer. Okay. So you you took it upon yourself because you saw a lot of these injustices and you saw that nothing was changing and you saw that. This is obviously, and I think everyone who listens to this, this this podcast here would view this as an infringement. You decided to take a suit up against the police commissioner, who is the head of pistol licensing. Now, what was your main issue for doing so? I remember reading in the papers in the past that it, your main issue was the fact that they weren't aligned with what the state requirements were for issuing pistol license. They Nassau County and many other counties, especially downstate, have their own processes, which is really arbitrary, lengthy, expensive, cumbersome to um, mm-hmm. to submit bef- to the Pistol Licensing Bureau before you can even get the state form or accept get them to accept the state form, the PB, uh, PPB3, right, if I remember correctly? Was it the PPB3? Right. Yeah, that that's my impression. Yes. That um my impression was that there are obstacles that are put into place artificially right at the at the county level that dissuades people from going down this road. And if look, I I probably uh if if the if Bruin would have come out years ago I probably would have started this process a long time ago. Yeah, but you know, after Bruin, uh, you know, I, I again, this came up on my radar, and this was going on. Just it, it seems so uh, intrusive. The whole process seems so intrusive and obstructionary. Right is, is how I would put it. So let's figure out. What are the obstructions? What are the what are the primary issues that I sort of want to focus on? Because you don't want to you don't want to go after things that are um, are on the weak end of the spectrum when it comes to legal arguments. Right. If if I, I, at least at least that's my uh, uh, that's my prerogative. If if I were to to take on a case or a lawsuit, um, you don't want to take on a case uh, on on weak claims. You want to be able to have you know some claims that you're very confident in, and the weaker claims, you know whatever, throw them in there and let the judiciary deal with it. Uh, but you want to have something to hang that on. Otherwise, it's a mad waste of time. Right. Otherwise, you're just going to lose it. It's a uh, um, it's a, a zero sum game. You're not going to get anything out of it. All, all that you're doing is spending time and you're spending money. Okay. So uh, the the primary issues that uh, that came up in my analysis of, of the way that uh, and again this is not just Nassau County that's doing this this is this is an issue that is uh, prevalent in in many counties throughout uh, New York State yes but uh, 
Nassau County was unfortunately the one that, uh, I guess, unfortunately for them, they were the ones that are standing in my way. Okay, I can't, I can't sue some uh, county in upstate New York, right? Because they're not my licensing officer. I, I don't have any standing there. I don't have any gr- grounds to sue every county in New York State. It's, that's not the way that it works. So unfortunately, Nassau County was the uh, uh, the, the uh, entity that was standing between between myself and what I thought were my Second Amendment rights. So in Nassau County, you have this issue with the PBB3 form. Right. It's, it's a major issue. New York State law requires that the superintendent of New York State Police, which is not the commissioner of uh, Nassau County Police, unless they've recently promoted him <laughs> to, to that <laughs> uh, position, which I, I don't think is the case, the the superintendent for state police has to promulgate a state application. And that application is the one that is used to vet applicants. That's it. Right. There's no carve out within uh, the penal law. I don't know if anybody, any of your listeners want to look up the law specifically, but a penal law 400.00. That is the regulatory scheme for New York State. And you'll see in there that the only application that can really be created for the entirety of New York State, except for New York City, and that's a little bit of a different subject. Yeah, yeah. New York City specifically has their own carve-out. Yeah. But for New York State, you have the PPP3 form, and that's the form that was created by the superintendent, okay? And in the PPP3 form, the superintendent, this is what I'm arguing, I, I feel relatively confident in my position. The superintendent of New York State, uh, of New York State Police, rather, uh, is the person that gets to decide what facts are necessary to determine whether or not an applicant has a good moral character. And and you and you tell me if I'm wrong because look, I'm I'm not I'm not perfect, and uh, I feel like you've been in this particular field for a lot longer than I have. But that's my impression, okay? So if you go to the Nassau County uh, Police Department headquarters and you go to the pistol licensing section, and and mind you, I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience. I'm not just making this up. If you go there with a completed PPB3 form, the one that is promulgated and created by the superintendent, and you present them with this form, they will tell you that they're not taking it. Right. No, we're not taking this. This is not the application. And uh, again, this this was the primary subject of my lawsuit. Right. And even before filing my lawsuit, I went and I and I did this because I wanted to attain standing. I wanted to get a pistol license. I've... I've Expressed my intent to get a pistol license in uh, in as many ways as I, I possibly could, right? Right. Uh, most notably is I tried to get, I tried to file an application, and and they w- refused to take that application because it it wasn't what Nassau County thought was their version of the application, and that's inappropriate. They don't have the power to do that. Right. And again, it's not just Nassau County that that does this sort of stuff. Yes. Uh, Suffolk County does this. Um, I think maybe Westchester 
basically and all I'm the downstate sure con- counties do this. Right. I think Westchester um, has done this as well because there was a lawsuit against Westchester by uh, a, a very uh, um, well-informed, uh, seasoned, and intelligent lawyer name of uh, Miss Amy uh, Bellantoni. I think oh, was, yeah. Was, she represents uh, you... a lot of gun cases. Bellantoni, Bellanti. Um, she was the... Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, yeah, she was the uh, attorney who represented the plaintiffs in the Jerry's Firearms case in Suffolk County about the um, the pistols that the, the county wanted to confiscate from them that they, in good faith, and what they believe to be legally purchased from Jerry's Firearms in Bohemia. Turns out that... Um, at the time, the state thought they were "quote unquote" assault weapons, and they um, right. they they shut down Jerry's. But then these people, I think it was like ten people, said, "No, we're not going to give you this. Our property, nothing's illegal about it. You're, we're not getting compensated for it, et cetera, et cetera." And then the sure. state wound up passing a law that says, "Oh no, these are now definitely illegal." So I think that mooted the case or whatever. But yeah, she she was fantastic. I I listened to we we've played her. Um, her doings in the court on, on our podcast before she was, she was really great. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, um, I've come across a couple of her cases and she, she is a, a solid attorney. Yes. And I would, I would say, and I think I'm permitted to do so, but if any of your listeners, um, believe that, you know, what's going on in their respective counties, whether it be Nassau, Suffolk, or, or and, and she actually has a, a, a lawsuit pending against a Suffolk County on uh, very similar uh, issues Ooh. that uh, pertain to my case. Uh, are you familiar with that one? No, no. Good to, if you can, just give a little it's, it's, blurb it's a about major, it. It's a major, uh, it's a major, Giambalvo, I think it's called. Uh, let me just uh, look it up really quick. Giambalvo, Antony. This this can also be a pretty Giambalvo major v. case. v. New York, um, court listener? East v. Suffolk County. Oh, okay. Giambalvo v. Suffolk County. Yeah, oh, I have okay. it right here. So that pertains to Suffolk County, but you know, I'm sure if you happen to be in a in a different county that has uh, similar practices. Mm. I mean, Suffolk County is is possibly on par with Nassau County when it comes to yeah, wait times um, about two years roughly. I th- I think one of uh, I was reading an affidavit in that case, and I think they said three years. Yeah, I've actually personally, and again, this is anecdotal, but when I, I set up at the Hop Hog Gun Show, um, mm-hmm. they do it twice a year. I set up a table, I talk to people, I give away patches. I don't sell anything, and people have come up and s- talked to me, shared experiences, stories. One gentleman said he was in so far three years in Suffolk County because of some BS that they tried to pull with him because they said, oh, your your application wasn't submitted in time. He's like, no, I did, and it, it's back and forth. He said he's at three years right oh, now. Oh, that, that might be that might be the person that is in that loop because that sounds sort Maybe. of familiar. I, there, there, there was a plaintiff in the, in the uh, Giambalvo case that submitted an application and – Again, I've, I'm not uh, saying one way or the other whether or not uh, Suffolk County was being honest in this respect, but they claimed that his filing fee or something like that was lost. Yes, yes. And, this must have been the same gentleman I spoke to, to, funny enough. he had to basically reapply. Yep. He had to basically reapply and, you know, come on. Wow, come that's on. so if, funny. It's the same guy. I can't believe it. <laughs> that could be the same guy. Yeah. So, but look, if you're Suffolk County and something like that happens, Put the guy 
ahead of the line, maybe. Right. Have some uh, decency. Have move some the guy's humanity. case or something. Give, yeah. give the give the guy a license. If he's not a criminal, if he's not insane, right. Give the guy a license and and be done with it. Right. But and again, the recalcitrance, the uh, this feeling of entitlement that they're allowed to do this is what pushed me <laughs> over the line into lawsuit territory. Right. Because uh, you know, going back to the PBB three form. And I'll tell you exactly how that day went. Do went not. in, submitted the PPB3 form, and they tell me, no, we're not taking it. This is not the this is not the Nassau County application. Well, I didn't know that uh, Nassau County has become its own country because my understanding is that Nassau County is part of New York State. Right. And if it's part of New York State, the New York State application is the PPB3 form. Unless there's another application that I haven't heard of that the superintendent created, it's the PBB3 form. So they say, no, we're not taking it. I say, are you sure? Because it would it would appear that after Bruin, this might be a bit of a problem to be denying applications of this sort by imposing these other county-level requirements that require uh, character reference affidavits that have questions in there that are arguably subjective. You have to produce... A, a traffic abstract, a lifetime yeah. traffic abstract. All of it was insane. So I said, I'm not filling that out. This is the application. You have to take it. No, we're not taking it. Okay. I said, okay, fine. Uh, he, he, and, and also I was, I was told that I'm being argumentative. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I, I'm an attorney. So if I, if I wasn't argumentative, I guess I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be much of an attorney. Right. So I said, okay, fine. I'm out of here. And I'm thinking to myself, this is... This is this is nutty, I right. got, and I have to do something about it. Now, if I remember correctly, and, sorry yeah. to interrupt. If I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, from what the information you sent me in the past, you showed up with your fingerprints already done, right? Was that was that the same time? Yes. You, yes. So you, yes. if I remember correctly, you went to a police station, paid a different amount than what the state what they charge at the pistol licensing bureau. I believe it was twenty buckaroonies. Yeah, twenty bucks as opposed to I actually have the fees up here. I have the Nassau County um, fees here. Uh, licensing fees, sure. DCGS fingerprinting fee, $88.25. So you went to an actual Nassau yeah. County police station, paid them to get your fingerprints done, along with your PPP3 form, and handed it to them. Now, my understanding is with the, with the Nassau County, Suffolk County, a lot of these downstate counties is you do right. their application first. And then once you submit their application, that's when they give you the PPP3 form do your fing- schedule you for a fingerprint date, et cetera, et cetera. And allegedly, from the time that you submit your application, it's supposed to be six months whether you get your license or a justifiable denial. Exactly. Okay, so you showed up there ready to go to start your six-month clock for them to investigate you, everything that the state required. But you... Right. But they... I, have... I didn't, I didn't want to wait a year and a half. Right. I don't want to wait three years. Yeah. Yeah, you no, it's, 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 it's quite ridiculous. So, so I, I submitted, I tried to submit the PPB3 form right. because I know that the PPB3 form starts the six-month clock. Yes. But they, if you go there, they will do everything, as, again, this is my impression, everything within their power to push off your ability to submit the PPB3 form until it suits them. Right. And that's that's not the way that it works. That's not the way that the statutory scheme was was set up. It, it's 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 not the it's not even the 
it doesn't comport with even the legislative intent of of the New York legislature. Right. And we know how they feel about the Second Amendment, but it doesn't even comply. Forget about the Second Amendment for a second. It doesn't comply with New York state law. And the the fact that only now we're getting some sort of you know pushback on it, that's also a bit surprising because this this is not necessarily even just a constitutional issue. Just comply with New York state law is what I was asking them to do, and they, and they and they refuse to do that. And it's also the so, inconsistencies between, like we said earlier, downstate counties and upstate counties that ultimately have to follow the same state law. Just how they do it is different, which really shouldn't be the case, especially when it comes to constitutional issues, criminal also, but constitutional issues specifically. Right, right. I I would think that that's the case. Um, I don't know if you uh, if you know about the. Um, a YouTuber, uh, Four Boxes Diner. No, no. Uh, he he he's a he's an interesting fella, but uh, he he I asked him that question. He's an attorney. Uh, he's a uh, Supreme Court uh, barred attorney, and uh, I asked him whether or not you can have these uh, these different standards from I'm one county to, to another act- county. Is is that a potentially unconstitutional? And it it seemed like he answered that in the negative, um, I don't. I, but I don't think that there's a really clear answer to that uh, as as far as you know the Fourteenth Amendment, uh, you know the Equal Protection Clause. I, I don't know how that would really you know fit in with all of that. But it, it's an interesting subject. H- how can you treat? But you know, particularly in the context of the Second Amendment, how can you treat uh, the residents, um, American residents, New York residents of one county? So substantially different from the residents of another county. Yes. Uh, and and by the way, the 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 order that I got in my case, they sort of they sort of acknowledge that that's an issue. That there's forum shopping. Hmm. If, if if one county is going to be able to produce your license in three months, and another one takes three years, that seems a bit problematic. Yes, I, I would say. Yes. So and in this day and uh, age, too, yeah. they could pull up anything they want to know about you in a matter of minutes um and it, well, sure for really any sort they're of the police yeah they're the police especially if you're a resident of that county which nassau county they could pull up your name your driving history any criminal actions against you they can contact well when, like when you buy a gun you contact the fbi and they do an instant sure. background check to see if you are a prohibited person and Good moral character has nothing to do with it. You could be an asshole and own a gun. There's, that's not sure. that's not against the law. So yeah, sure. and like oh, you, oh, by, by the way, uh, you know about that that Fifth Circuit uh, decision that came out recently uh, on, on this on this very subject. Uh, Rahimi, I think is is the case. Rahimi it came out. They I think, cited I think Bruin, right? They cited Bruin in that. They cited yes. Bruin. Yes, and they specific. I, I have it right here. Good, good. They specifically said Rahimi. While hardly a model citizen, <laughs> is nonetheless part of the political community entitled to the Second Amendment's guarantees, all other things equal. Mind you, Rahimi uh, was not just somebody that had an order of protection issued against him, right? That, that, was the, that was the major crux of that case. But he also has pending charges against him for shootings. That should that should tell you a little bit about how far Second Amendment protections go after right. Bruin. It's it's not a joke anymore, uh, particularly after Rahimi. <laughs> right. You know, Rahimi should tell you that um, you know whether or not you're a speeder, 
again, Rahimi, the, the case specifically says this. Could speeders be stripped of their right to keep and bear arms? Is what they asked. That would indicate that probably not. Okay, if you have a lead foot, if you don't recycle properly, right? If you get <laughs> if you get a violation from your local town court, uh, uh, what is it called? Ordinance enforcement, right? Whatever it is, right? Uh, the agency that enforces local uh, ordinances. If you get a violation from them, if they fine you, is that really relevant to whether or not you should be stripped of your Second Amendment rights to right. to own or or carry a a pistol? Right. Probably not. Probably yeah. not. But I I've been surprised before, as as you're well aware. Um, now, you know, after I got denied that PPB three form, I go over to the local um, Supreme Court library. Supreme Court is it's a little bit different in New York. It's it's like sort of in reverse. Our lowest court is the Supreme Court. Our, our lowest plenary trial court is the Supreme Court. And then you have the um, the appellate department, and then you go to the court of appeals. The court of appeals is the highest court in uh, in New York State. Interesting. So I go to the I go to the library, and I draft up a notice of claim. What's a notice of claim? A notice of claim is basically putting the municipality or, or government on notice that there's some sort of legal dispute, that, that there's a legal claim, mm-hmm. okay? It, it gives the, uh, the county or municipality an opportunity to try to resolve it with you, I would think, uh, to investigate, to be put on notice that there's a problem. And that's what I did. I served that notice on the, uh, the county attorney's office. That's the, that's the office that represents the interests of, of the county. Mm-hmm. I think they represent uh, essentially all executive-level staff when it comes to this sort of thing. I served it on them. I said, listen, you guys refuse to take this state application. Uh, you're, you're, basically, you're basically conditioning the submission of the PPB3 form on compliance with Nassau County um, uh, application forms. It's not even uh, a law; with, it's more so rules that they put policy. In place. Policy, it's yes, ju- it's just policy. I, well, I don't, I, don't, I, I, just, I just don't get it. It boggles the mind. Right, it's not law; so, it's policy. Just like the handbook states, these policies and rules you have to follow. Well, it's like, well, they're, are they law? Are they not law? Like, otherwise, we'll take your 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 pistol permit away from you. Well, I'm following the law, but your policies are not law. So, yeah, and and yeah. yeah, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of what you see as far as the rules and the restrictions on storage and all that Ugh, in your in, in Nassau County. Oh, my God. I, exactly. The, oh there's God. so much to discuss here to unpack because of how deep the problem goes. Right. State law I, I says you can keep a gun in your car, lock, secure it in a secure container. Nassau but in, County. In Nassau County, you can't. Right. So, in Nassau County, you can't. Yeah. In Suffolk County, you can't practice with with a firearm uh, in order to uh, train, to, to become proficient. As far as the, the 16 plus two hours yeah. that you're supposed to do in order to get a, a pistol license uh, right. um, issued in, in Suffolk County, in, I, th- I don't know if it's in the entirety of Suffolk County, but they'll, according to them, as far as I understand, they'll arrest you if part of your 16 plus two, when, you, when you're by state law required to go to a, a live firing range, you can't touch a pistol. Right. And there's a, there's a carve out. State, it, yeah, they carved carve it out. out. Yeah, they had to do that in order to get people to be able to do this because that was a huge concern. 
Yeah. So all of this is is a complete mess. Right. Because uh, whoever is interpreting these statutes within the within the executive department of, of these local counties are doing it in such a way that it, it completely contradicts the spirit of Bruin, right. the spirit of the Second Amendment. Now, I, I file this notice of claim, right? I tell them this is this is inappropriate. Like, take my PPB3 form. Take my PPB3 <laughs> form and you won't hear of me. You, you'll for, I'll, I'll forget about it. Right. Um, I didn't want to go down this road as far as filing a lawsuit. I, I wanted to give them every opportunity to resolve the issue. Mind you, I didn't have to submit a notice of claim. I could have gone straight to a law, to the lawsuit uh, route. Right. But I didn't want to. Um, because it's it's un, it's an unpleasant situation to be in. Even even for my clients, I tell them, listen, uh, the the lawsuit is the nuclear option. If if you want to try to resolve the issues, you know, speak to your employer. Uh, you know, draft up this email really quick, and and maybe you'll get an answer where you don't have to wait years to get a result. Right. Because that's that's what lawsuits are. It's 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 a it's a um, it's a lot of time being wasted on waiting around. Yep. Time and uh, money. for things to happen. So I wanted to give them a chance to to make it right. Uh, would I have then if if they would have taken my PPB three form, would I have then mentioned it to other putative applicants that hey by the way they took my ppb3 form you guys should try to do it too because that's how they resolved my my claim my notice of claim would it have prompted other people to do that uh, sure mm-hmm. uh but i'm fine with that because I, again i don't like the way that nassau county is is acting when it comes to this particular issue but right. that's besides the point so they so i called them up five days later i say listen if you don't respond to me in five days i'm going to pursue legal action against you I don't even want any money. I said, like, uh, take my PPB three form and give me a dollar. <laughs> yeah, you know that's what I, that's what I specifically wrote in the notice of claim. Well, five days later, um, I might have given them more time than that because he said call back. I didn't even read it yet. Uh, the the attorney that I spoke with, um, and I call back at some point uh, later on, and he, and he tells me we're not settling. Do what you have to do. Mm. And I say, okay, well, my hands are tied. Right. I don't want to go down this road, but you're pushing me to do it, and and I'm happy to do so, and I'm happy to do so in response to the recalcitrant behavior that's being exhibited uh, by whoever is responsible for these rules, these these policies, these practices locally. I'm I'm happy to do it because maybe it'll turn into something where other people don't have to deal with this nonsense. Okay? That's what that's really the answer to your question as to how did this become uh, what it became with respect to Nassau County. That's what it turned into. If 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 that office would have treated people with uh, uh perhaps a more welcoming attitude when it comes to this sort of thing, understanding that what they're dealing with are fundamental rights under our constitution. Right then maybe I wouldn't be so hard-pressed to go down this road, okay? I, even my clients, I tell them, I, when they call up, I, I, I say, obviously you didn't call me because you're happy with the way that you were treated. <laughs> if, if you were treated in a more f- a friendly uh, way with the, with the respect for whatever your concerns are, 
you wouldn't be calling me up as a lawyer to try to litigate and, and try to uh, engage in, in legal battle with whoever you're calling up about. Right. So obviously you've been slighted in some sort of way. That's how I felt. And, and I don't know. Look, and you, you tell me uh, if I'm wrong in, in, in that respect, but that's how I felt. I, I felt like this is a slight against me personally. The fact that my concerns are not being really addressed, uh, not just as you know Joseph Kamenchik, but as a as a constituent. Yes. So, and, and that's you know I I couldn't really allow that to go unanswered, and that's that's what happened. If if they would have accepted the PPB three form, um, I probably wouldn't have gone down this path. I I probably would have forgotten it. I probably. Uh, who knows? Maybe I would have gotten my license ready. Probably not. <laughs> no, probably. probably not. Because as expected, uh, you know, I was gathering up as much, uh, for, for lack of a better word, ammunition before starting this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to know that for sure there's an issue with with this time frame, like the, the the time in which you get a license at at the county level. And my understanding was that it was a year and a half. Is that sort of sound correct? Yeah, about a year and a half, and depending, if not longer, that's what I've heard. Right, that's what I've heard as well. So before even going, um, you know, to to the, I told the pistol licensing section, and I said, "Listen, what's this whole thing with fingerprinting that I hear about uh, being scheduled?" You know, nine months out or something. Right. What's the story there? Says, uh, yeah, well, that, that's that's what it is. You have to get the the fingerprints done at the pistol licensing section, and there's no there's no way around it. That's that's how we do it. And I said, but but I said nine months. How is it possible to have a turnaround time within the six month statutory time frame? If you're scheduling fingerprinting eight to nine months out, or maybe even longer, whatever it is, how is that logically possible? Well, you know that—that's what it is. Right. So, okay. So I said, okay. I go to submit my PPB three form. I'm going to bring my own set of fingerprints because fingerprints are fingerprints. Okay. Particularly if it's being down, if it's being done by the same agency. I got my fingerprints done by a Nassau police officer in a Nassau precinct. Right. For 20 bucks, immediately. I walked in, and, and it was processed immediately um, on FBI fingerprint cards, which are specifically mentioned as being acceptable under Penal Law 400.00. So I bring them the, these fingerprints, and they, and they also, you know, it was in the packet that I gave them, and they wouldn't accept it. So it's it's all uh, so disheartening to be dealing with that. Uh, and I think one of their excuses that they're potentially going to bring up is that we do fingerprints uh, via the live scan system. You know what I'm referring to? Yeah, it's an electronic uh, box that they roll their fingerprints yeah. over. Yeah. Right. So we do the fingerprints via live scan. And... I anticipate what their arguments are going to be already on this. Well, but I uh, I can see that 
they're going to say, well, we don't take the paper fingerprints. Okay? You have to do it through, through this. However, again, what authority do they even have to impose the live scan system as being the only method for taking fingerprints? The, the electronic form of fingerprint acquisition doesn't exist in the statute. Right. If you're going to impose that, if you're going to impose that, you be sure that you have the authority to do so. Change the statute. Okay, because it's it change the statute. Yeah. If if you have a problem with the Second Amendment, uh, change the amendment, adopt another amendment constitutionally, and then infringe as much as you want. But until then, you the law is the law. Okay, so take my fingerprints that I did in accordance with the letter of the law in the penal law. No, no we're not going to take it. Uh, we don't take, we don't do fingerprints that way. That's not how we do things here at Nassau <laughs> County. Okay, fine. So I'm going to have to add that to the lawsuit as well. So I, you know, m my primary concern was the PPB3 form. Right. Because again, the PPB3 form starts the six-month clock. Right. I thought that if, if I can Nassau County to be forced to accept the PPB3 form, it, it'll potentially help a lot of people out because then you have a real six-month window from, from that point on. Right. Okay. Uh, but I threw the kitchen sink at them. I th I threw everything into my lawsuit that I thought was problematic. Uh, because at that point, why not? Right. Put me into litigation. I'm going to throw everything in there and to see what sticks. Right. And and mind you, again, I took this on, assuming that I would lose the whole thing. That was my original, uh, my original impression about how this would work out that I was going to lose and possibly even make it perhaps even a little bit worse. I thought I was going to lose. Okay. And, and that's, that's how I, that's how I, um, you know, approached it. So the fact that I got the decision that you're aware about, you know, recently, right. I'm not too surprised by that. Right. Well, I was going to say, we're going to take a quick break and then after the break, we'll get into that decision. All right, we're back from a quick little break there. Uh, we're back with uh, Joseph Kamishik, who, if you've been listening for this past hour, has been talking about his experiences uh, with Nassau County Pistol Licensing Bureau. So, um, Joseph, where where do things – we were just talking. You were saying how you don't expect to win this or you, you don't – you know, you, you went into this expecting possibly not to win – what, where does where does your suit stand currently in in January 2023 or February now? Excuse me, February. Right. So I originally started my uh, lawsuit as a as a hybrid uh, Article 78 slash uh, declaratory judgment proceeding. So uh, to, you know, put, to put that in layman's terms, uh, you know, Article 78s are actions against uh, governmental, um, you know, decisions, rulings, and, and what have you, and the the um, threshold of review, the standard of review for governmental action under Article seventy eight is arguably very low. Um, doesn't take a lot for the government to prove that whatever action that they took is is appropriate uh, under an Article seventy eight type of. Uh, uh, framework. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
that's that's a major problem with Article seventy eight because ordinarily uh, the you know the the fairness to the aggrieved um, you know constituent, the one that experienced the uh, you know this dispute with with the uh, alleging some sort of uh, action was you know taken in in violation of the law. it's it's not really analyzed. Uh, from that uh, perspective, uh, generally, so it's it's a very low bar that the government has to prove. It's it's usually rational basis, but under under the circumstances that are presented, um, I framed it not just as an Article seventy eight, but also as a regular declaratory type of job, where uh, where the the court is given a lot more leeway to determine whether or not the action taken by the government is is unlawful. And I would I would also argue that even under Article seventy eight, you still have to determine whether or not the conduct at its core is even constitutional. I think that's always a a paramount consideration for whatever the government is doing. I think yes. that's always a, a concern, even whether, whether it be Article seventy eight or or a declaratory judgment or a a nineteen eighty three action. It, you start with the Constitution. If the Constitution doesn't support the the act that was done, then you validate whatever the government did. Okay, that's I think that's a given. Okay, and I think that's going to be a, a major point of uh, of contention um, in this case. Hmm. So I I filed this case as um, um, through an order to show cause. I basically uh, got a a temporary restraining order. I I think I think you probably um, discussed this. Yes. In one of your uh, earlier shows, I, and, and you tell me if I'm getting too long-winded on on any of this because I don't want to go over stuff that maybe you don't want to go over again. No, keep, but go the, over it. The the TRO is that's a temporary restraining order. Uh, my primary goal um, on an emergent basis, on an emergency basis, was to force Nassau County, uh, the the pistol licensing section specifically, to accept. The PPB three form, standing alone, uh, with passport folder, photos and um, references, like uh, contact information for for references. Right. Okay? So that was my initial my initial goal, and I actually succeeded in that. I was granted a TRO that ordered uh, the the pistol licensing section to accept the PPB three form in a way that I felt was without any sort of preconditions. Okay. And I ultimately was able to do that uh, around the time when the Antonio injunction was still active. Mm. You know, I'm referring to the yes. uh, Antonio decision. Yeah, that was uh, the first one. Uh, Northern uh, military. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, no, it was it was actually Antonio two. Oh, there's a second Antonio one. Antonio okay. one was dismissed. Right, because they claim he didn't have you know, standing. Or yeah. Whatever, but okay, so this is the uh, second one. They Antonio refiled. two. Right, Antonio two was refiled and and that ultimately ended up in some sort of um, uh, re, uh, injunctive relief in the form of a TRO, which eventually came became a uh, a preliminary injunction. Right. But I had submitted my application during that specific small window of look. You you don't know how long these injunctions are gonna gonna ultimately last for. Oh yeah. But I submitted it in such a way where I was able to. Literally, just hand in only my PPB three form to uh, the the pistol licensing, uh, licensing section, which which is unheard of. <laughs> yeah, 
And this is why I thought it okay. was so important to talk to you about this. I'm like, this, this is unheard of. I don't think anybody has done this. And it's also right. not getting, in my opinion, the attention that it deserves. I, I've seen you post about it on Reddit and stuff, but no news is picking up on this. No, there's no, you know, Newsday isn't writing I, I an article know. about I, it. I don't want to be, I, I don't want to disappoint the the people that are interested in this with the only thing, a the adverse only, decision. The only way that could, the only, like we as gun owners in New York face disappointment on a daily basis. Ultimately, the county disappoints us. The, the state government disappoints us. Our governor right. disappoints us. Our elected officials disappoint us. My, my senator who represents where I live, Senator Kevin Thomas, is the person who submitted this law, the, the semi-automatic rifle uh, permit law. He disappoints me on a daily basis, that guy. So realistically, anything right. that we do, gun owners, individuals, people who just see injustice, I don't think there could be any disappointment in that, honestly. I really don't. And that's why I said when I heard yeah. your story, I'm like, I reached out. I said, this is, um, it's, what you're doing is amazing. This is great. Obviously, I'm not a Thank lawyer. You. I don't have the, the know, the money, the wherewithal to do this. But one person standing up and doing something is more than thousands of people in this county have, have done. So it's, the, oh, you're not I, disappointing I any that. of us. Yeah, but it's it's a personal sentiment, you know. I, yeah. I don't want to make things worse. You know, when when doctors they take the Hippocratic oath, one of the things that they um, essentially promise to do, as far as their, as far as their ethics are concerned, is that they don't they don't want to make things worse. Right. Okay. So the fact that I got this recent this more recent decision that uh, goes deeper into the merits of of the entirety of the case, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not happy about the result. It's, it's frustrating. And what is that result for people who aren't aware? So there was a decision rendered on the entirety of my case, the entire, the whole thing, mm -hmm. uh, merits based, where the the uh, judge in that matter has interpreted the statute, uh, these specific provisions that were, um, according to this judge, a, a deciding factor on whether or not the, uh, the pistol licensing section, the, the licensing officer, has the authority to do the things that they've done. The, those specific provisions that, that the court felt was relevant to the issue was interpreted in such a way, frustratingly, that gives the licensing officer such extreme discretion that to allow this decision to stand, uh, I think I would be doing a disservice to the to the public. And again, you know, I, I mentioned to you, uh, you know, before the break. When I when I was considering doing this at the very beginning, I felt like I was going to lose, and I was going to lose big at the trial level, uh, even at the intermediary appellate level. I I, I thought I was going to lose. I was thinking that uh, you're taking this on, and you have to be prepared to possibly argue the merits before the New York State Court of Appeals, the highest court in the state. Right. You might have to go before the Supreme Court. So I took it, 
I took this on knowing that um, I might have to argue before them. And not every attorney gets the opportunity to, uh, to do that in their, in their career, uh, particularly on a subject that I think is, uh, is so important. So I was thinking that, look, if, if I ultimately have to end up arguing before the Court of Appeals and, and, I, and I have to potentially uh, you know, wait that long to get a, uh, a more favorable result, then it is what it is. Look, this, this is why we have appellate-level courts. This is why we have the Supreme Court, because courts make mistakes, mm-hmm. okay? And I don't, fault the, I don't fault the judge for this at all. Um, it's just a, a difference of opinion uh, as to what the law is, okay? So, and, and just a, a, a legal technical point here. Questions of law, the interpretation of statutes, when it goes up on appeal, those issues are analyzed de novo. What, is, what does that mean? De novo means it's, it's analyzed anew, as if the, the lower court didn't make a decision. It's not really weighed as heavily as in a situation where the trial-level court made it a factual determination. As far as like credibility, like if, if the... Trial court made a determination that, um, you know, the trial court finds that so and so is credible, and this fact, uh, or this fact did not occur. Those those types of findings are given a lot more, um, a lot more leeway, mm-hmm. as far as uh, the, the weight of those decisions from trial level court. But when it comes to decisions of law, statutory decisions, uh, interpretive tools that are used determining what the legislative intent was basically the the appellate level courts look at it from a completely new perspective okay okay and that's where i think this is going to end up going okay because the the opinion of the court that was received within the last couple of days uh it makes things it makes things worse it's not for the better. Hmm. If 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 you read it, it's it's not good. Uh, even your analysis is now permissible based off of the the lower court's reading of the statute at, at play. The the specific provision uh, again. This is the provision that came up in that in that Tony uh, case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel, I'll tell you which one it was. It was. Um, the one that allows the licensing officer to require other information that is uh, reasonably necessary to the review of the application. You know what I'm specifically referring to? What what provision that is? Because I I have the the site. It, it's Penal Law Section four hundred dot zero zero, Section one, Subsection. O, and then subsection V. Is that the one where basically the whole thought with Bruin was it gets rid of good moral character, but then they replaced it with, well, the licensing official has to make sure that this person is not a criminal so they can do more investigatory things, like, for example, urinalysis, drug test. Is that what it's referring to? Are you talking... Well, there's a a generalized... 
requirement or 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 like fitness mm-hmm. is is I guess how the judge put it in, in my case that pertains to the entirety of the um, of the statutory scheme in, in New York and and that's like good moral character and all that uh, that you have to have uh, you know, the proper temperament I think is, yeah. is the verbiage that was used the proper temperament and all that um, so that's an that's an overall type of uh, consideration okay. Right? The spe- the specific uh, provision I'm referring to is it's it's um there's a listing of items that is necessary uh, to uh, I guess present to your licensing officer when you when you go through this whole pistol licensing process. Mm-hmm. But at the very end of the list, you have what appears to be a, a catch-all provision there. And it specifically says, I'll tell you right now. The state loves catch-all provisions. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, let me just uh, look it up really quick. That's what they did recently with the uh, re- redefining of a firearm. They made a catch-all category, which made those, quote, other type firearms illegal and also the ever-popular shockwave-type uh, shotguns like Mossberg or Remington's TAC-14, which hundreds of thousands of people in the state owned legally and bought and purchased. And now, well, it's felonious. So they love catch all. So if any of the, uh, if the listeners are are curious as to how to look this statutory uh, licensing scheme up, if you go to Google, you type in New York, uh, New York laws. uh, The first thing that pops up is, is laws of New York. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I look for the word penal on this list. And then I go to, uh, section 400 i go to licensing and other provisions related to firearms i'm gonna i'm gonna read to you specific what the statute okay uh, so this provision. so it says um one second mm-hmm. um, shall meet in person with the licensing officer for an interview and shall in addition to any other information or forms required by the licensing application submit to the licensing officer the following information then you see below in section four you know after it goes over that list it says and you have and uh such other information required by the licensing officer that is reasonably necessary and related to the review of the licensing application that is the provision (laughs) so generic that is the provision that was interpreted by uh, the judge in my case in such a way where the judge basically opened the flood uh, the floodgates in a way that uh, you know I disagree with right but uh, well you know what you know, they that, were going to do it anyway they were going to do it anyway like this before you submitted this lawsuit they were they were already asking all this BS they were already asking you to go above and beyond. oh 100% so, and by the way that, that's an argument that I'm going to bring up I'm, I'm going to bring up the fact that even in the absence of those provisions, Nassau County was acting as if that provision always existed. Right. That's, that's what I was confused about. But um, I wanted to also read to you how the judge interpreted that specific provision. Right? Sure. You, you remember what I, what I just read to you. And if, uh, if you don't remember, I can read it to you again. But I'm going to tell you exactly what 
the uh, the judge wrote is assist. Okay, look up the word assist in my briefing here. Okay, so the lower court stated that the plain text makes it clear that the licensing officer in this situation, Commissioner Ryder, is entitled to seek such other information will assist him in evaluating the application. I don't know if, if you caught the problem there, but it's a major one, okay? In, in the court's interpretation, do you recall anything about information being reasonably necessary? It appears that the judge read out the reasonably necessary part mm -hmm. and replaced it with merely being of assistance mm. to the commissioner. Okay. That is, that is a major, major problem. Yeah. Okay? doesn't have to be reasonably necessary. And by the way, the, the, the reading of the entire opinion from, from the, the judge that, that decided these issues in my case, arguably disconnects that information from the permit application. The, the judge uh, tied the other information to evaluating also the fitness of the applicant, not just the permit application, but the fitness of the, of the applicant, meaning that if there's such other information that can be of assistance in determining your fitness, that's disconnected from the permit application. And, and again, permit what's the permit application? The PPB3 form. Right. Are you a prohibited person? Have you ever been arrested, right. et cetera? Right. Have you ever been arrested? Um, that sort of stuff. Yeah, and this is where the urinalysis, it sounds like, comes in because now they're requesting this to determine, quote, fitness, but that has nothing to do with what's on the PPB3 form. Well, the, the, the PPB3 form is a, is a lot more circumscribed. Hmm. It's, it's more focused on the necessity of, of uh, what's required in order to get a pistol license. Hmm. And look, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the PPB3 form either. Right. But it is not the Nassau County version of the application process. It's completely, uh, it, it's, it's apples to oranges. Right. Okay. And, and as far as the urinalysis, the urinalysis, the, the court found that the urinalysis is appropriate because as a prohibitor in uh, Penal Law 400, you can't be an active uh, drug user. Yes, technically, like on the forty-four seventy-three form, you can't be an active user of marijuana. Right, you can't be opiates. Or, yeah, yeah. Which, in my opinion, though, is counteractive of them for to, for them to ask you for that because it's basically you're proving innocence before a question of let's just say a crime has ever been committed. So, in order for me to get my rights, I have to prove my innocence here. That's not yeah. how it works. You have to demonstrate. Right. They want you to demonstrate, and and I uh, I don't remember what state this was in, um, but there's case law out there that says the the burden on the applicant to demonstrate things is supposed to be low. They they shouldn't really have to be required to demonstrate a whole slew of things. Right. That's that's really the burden on the 
on the government to investigate. If, if they find out in their uh, databases that you've been arrested for, uh, for X, Y, and Z, and those are prohibitors, then that's fine. That's a background check. They're yes. allowed, they're allowed, that's objective. Have you, have you or have you not been arrested for these disqualifying uh, things? Or not even, uh, I apologize. I'm not saying arrested. I'm saying found. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different, yeah, that's a different subject thing, that, yeah. that we that that's a completely different subject. But um, has this person been found guilty of X, Y, and Z? Because an arrest doesn't mean anything. You're presumed innocent, okay? right? Just to put it out there, that's the way it but works. Have you been, yeah? Have you been uh, found guilty of felonies? Okay, because the felony is for almost all other states within the country. That's really the the issue here. Uh, does it matter whether or not uh, the felony is one uh, that is related to dangerousness? Like, if if you're a tax cheat, yeah, you know that's a that's a, that's a felony, right? Right. But it, it doesn't make you a violent person, right? And that's why okay? some people so argue that even felonies shouldn't. That's why some people argue even felonies shouldn't automatically prohibit somebody from owning a firearm. Also, if you go to jail for a felony and you serve your time and get out. Should you then also be barred from owning farms? That's a whole different discussion. But again, it's the same thing. It's like oh, hundred percent. Yeah, that's thoughts for a different time. Yeah, that's that's a very complex <laughs> subject. Oh yeah, but, but but I'll tell you what, it, it's it's related to the uh, the other issue that I brought up is is the uh, the DMV abstract that they require yes. you to, to produce in in Nassau County. So and um, again, the court said that's okay. Right. My... The, the court said. Yeah. Well, my thought to that, just again, this is from what I've heard of this, and I'm not playing devil's advocate here, but my what I've heard is their reasoning behind asking for that is, well, if you can't follow simple traffic laws or if you're a habitual traffic offender, you can't uh, prescribe to laws and rules that we live by. Well, then how can we trust you with this pistol? It That's and I'm not oh, defending right. it. That's the reason that I've heard that they do it. But again, what does one have no, to do course. with another? You could walk into a store and buy a shotgun and be a horrendous driver as long as you're not, you know, felonious. You've been, you know, arrested enough or what? You know what? You haven't committed right. serious felonious crime. But that's the reasoning that I've been told that they ask for that. I don't agree with it because oh, I think, oh, of, of course, one no, doesn't no, have no, to do the, with another. The, the, the reasoning, the, the reasoning makes uh, according to them, it, it makes sense because uh, maybe maybe it shows some irresponsibility on your part, right? Right, because it gets back to good moral character, which Bruin had struck down. Right. But it also brings up that, that can of worms that, that we were discussing earlier that we said that you said that you have to have a whole different show on that. Yeah. But it brings up the issue of what level of, of being... Uh, a non-law-abiding citizen is sufficient to make you ineligible to get a opinion. Mm -hmm. So it, again, in all other in many other jurisdictions, the issue is: Can you disqualify this person for a felony? Uh, just for the fact that it's a felony, can you disqualify that person? We're talking about felonies right. in other jurisdictions being a major question. In New York, if you happen to have, I don't know, ten speeding tickets, which I, as far as I know, those are not felonies. Right. Those are, are traffic infractions. If, if you happen to have 10 uh, speeding tickets, if you fail to properly recycle your trash on 10 occasions, you receive 10 violations, that's also technically 
nonconformance with the law. Right. So the, so the question becomes, uh, when, when the judge in my case said that, you know, your traffic infractions can potentially indicate whether or not you have a lesser respect for the law, are, are the lesser respect for what type of law? Are we, are we talking about laws that prohibit conduct that is mal in se or malum prohibitum? If you've never heard of those two terms. No, um, I've never heard of them. Certain, certain laws are uh, prohibit conduct because it's just prohibited. Because mm-hmm. the legislature said that this, this type of conduct is not inherently evil. It's not inherently uh, bad, right. but we're just we're making that conduct illegal. Like, is, is it inherently bad? Go sixty miles per hour. Is it inherently evil to go sixty-five miles per hour? <laughs> no. Is it is it inherently evil to um, get a a violation from your code enforcement because? Uh, you didn't use the proper trash uh, can. It wasn't the right size in, in your particular uh, town, right? So those types of prohibitions, those are malprohibitive. It's only illegal because the legislature said it's legal. It's not inherently evil. Right. If you murder people, that's mal in That is evil in and of itself. Okay, it's, it speaks for itself, uh, so to speak. Um, so that's the difference. So according to the judge, the fact that you have traffic uh, infractions, non-felony, there's, there's no indication that it has to be a felony or, or misdemeanor or just a violation, meaning you just have to pay a fine. Like a par- oh, by the way, traffic infractions include, as far as I know, parking tickets. Yes. So if so The if registered you, owner of the vehicle. For whatever, sure, your registration is expired. Uh, you are... Your uh, in, for whatever insurance your insurance left, uh, for whatever reason your insurance you forgot to pay it. Uh, your action is expired. You you like to park on the streets without having to pay the meter for whatever reason. You're you're a bit of a skin. Flint. You're a bit cheap, so you don't like pay, to pay for for meters. All those are traffic infractions. But again, the judge unfortunately ignore that in the PPB three form. It specifically says there, don't talk about your traffic infractions. Right, because it's irrelevant. Exclude your traffic infractions. We don't care about that. Right. Okay? But the judge still okay with Nassau County, even though they basically have access to information. You think they don't have access to your your driving record? They can look up anything they want from a computer in two seconds. But it's also a fee that you have to pay. You think that that the DMV is going to give you a lifetime... uh, uh, traffic abstract. No, you, you have think to pay gonna for give it. Give that to you for free. That that costs money. Yes. So all of these things put together, it would appear maybe similar to a poll tax, which is unconstitutional. Right. Okay. And uh, and again, if if you look at the opinion, if you read the opinion that was written by the judge in my case, um, unfortunately, it appears that the judge not analyze. Any of the restrictions that are imposed at the Nassau County level, uh, from really any sort of constitutional lens, the the, the judge felt that Bruin, it, it, it's not clear whether or not Bruin was applicable, and I would wholeheartedly disagree with that. So 
since Bruin was, was not applicable, the, the, the constitutional issues that were evident in my case were just, I, I would say that it was less than glossed over. Hmm. All right. So what now is next? You, you still have your pistol permit application in the works? Is that what's currently going on? That that's correct. Okay. I haven't heard otherwise. <laughs> it's still and look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know I go to get my fingerprints uh, you know, eight months down the line and I come in there and they say, Oh, by the way, you know, um, you know, you didn't submit our Nassau County application, so yeah. we don't technically consider uh. this uh, adequate or were complete, so the six months have hasn't started running yet. Right. When did you? Submit, I would not be surprised in the least. When did you submit that uh, PPP three form? What was like? What's November. The it, it was, it, it was, uh, essentially within that window when the Antoniuk injunction was still completely active. So technically, by May, you should, if if this goes the way it should be, you should have a pistol permit in May. You would think so. Okay. I doubt it. Oh. I doubt it. And and by the way, for, for whoever is listening, if I don't get a pistol permit um, to the six months to the day right. of my original submission, at, I, I'm, at the very least, all I can say is that I'm going to be a bit upset about that. <laughs> I think that's an understatement, my man. <laughs> You're going to be I'm mildly going to perturbed. Be, I'm going to be mildly perturbed. Yeah. And... I, I think that look, I'm I'm speaking from the perspective of uh, of a lawyer here, right? That you have to be a little bit cautious in in what you say, right? I'll All say I it, can say, I'll say it for you. Is he, be he's point. gonna be yeah. fucking pissed. <laughs> you well, don't you don't have to agree by, or disagree. By golly, that's by golly, that's that's very terse language that you <laughs> use, and I disagree with it. But I, I think that I, I meant that as far as as far as legal proceedings are concerned, right. all, all I could say is that I'm going to be expressing my, uh, my uh, lack of joy in something like that uh, through whatever legal means I have. And, that's, and the legal means that are most available to somebody like me is, is the court system. Right. You're going to okay. go. You're going to hit that, them hard. By the way, that's a new injury. That, that's a new injury. If, if, if six months go by and I don't have a pistol license in hand, that's as far as I know. That's a whole new case. That's a right. whole new uh, uh, injury to my Second Amendment rights. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Right. But to say that to say that I'm done uh, after that that decision, um, not in the least. I, I think that again to to allow that to stand as it's written uh, is um, it, it's it's not appropriate right. uh, under the circumstances. Well, I think what you're doing is is commendable. I know people that just bitch and moan about it, and obviously they don't have the means to do it like yourself. Like you know, you know how to file a suit. You could represent yourself. You're very knowledgeable on procedural, you know, the how law works. Like me myself, I couldn't go file a suit and do all that. But again, if people let's just say want to, is there a way to help support you? Is there a, a, a way to get the word out? Are you Looking to talk to anybody else I've, about this? I, I've had people that reached out to me that that were uh, telling me, "Oh, you know, where can we, you know, send money or something like that?" I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this at all for anything related to that. I I think that's 
um, uh, to put it lightly, that, that made me feel a little bit dirty, even, in, even hearing something like that. This is not about the money. Um, I felt uh, slighted. Um, and I feel that there's other people out there that, that had the same sentiment when dealing with the pistol licensing section. Right. And, and, and again, I, don't, I, I want to put this out there. I have the utmost respect for police officers. I have the utmost respect for, for the people that uh, you know, go out there day in and day out at night and, and they have to face you know, the, the evils uh, in this world. Yes, I think we um, all do. At, it's, it's a dangerous job and I have the utmost respect for them. Um, and and there, are, there are people within administration, uh, within management uh, is, is what I, I guess I would call it, right? Um, at upper levels of, of this whole thing that are doing things that are just, uh, in, in my opinion, it's, it's trampling on the rights of, of the people that they are served, uh, that, they, that they serve and, and, and protect. I would agree with and that. And I, I disagree with that. I, I, I agree with that. I also think that people offering to send you money, for example, they might not realize that you're an attorney and you're doing this on your own. I mean, they might just automatically think, oh, lawsuit, how can I help? And the only way they could help is by sending some money because that seems to be what's been going on lately with all these FPC, GOA, NRA lawsuits that's been going on. It's like, right. well, I can't be represented as a plaintiff. I can't, like, I can send you 10 bucks because that's the best I can do. So um, it's... Yeah, no, I, I get, I get right. that point. I mean, these other organizations, the ones that are doing the heavy lifting, right? Uh, the, the, the ones that are... Uh, making changes on, oh, yeah. on, a, on a national level, uh, you know, I I, co I commend them, um, you know, with, with the, uh, the entirety of my being, right? Because w what they're doing is they're, they're literally standing up for the Constitution. Yes. Okay. And and I I agree with that every step of the uh, the way. And you know, for them, they they have families. Yeah. You know, the, these are lawyers, and if this is their primary uh, practice area, then they have to make a living doing what they're doing. So I right. I completely understand. Uh, the the need to support them uh, financially because uh, you know particularly for them the, these are not cheap cases if, no if you go down the rabbit hole it can oh, be a lot man. of money experts, the government has uh, unlimited time and money we do not and that's oh hundred percent kind of yeah they, they don't mind uh, spending all of your money uh, all of your, the, the tax dollars that uh, come into their coffers they don't mind doing that right. to trample on your rights no they don't mind. It's, it's not their money that they're spending. But these lawyers, you know, from uh, what is it, FPC? Yeah, Firearms Policy uh, Coalition, Gun Second Owners Amendment of America, Foundation. Second Amendment Foundation, NRA. Not so much NRA, but uh, the Gun know. Owners of America, right? You said yeah, GOA. Yeah, they're, they're uh, Stephen. Uh, I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing his uh, last name incorrectly. Stephen uh, Stambolio, I, I, I believe is something like that. His name is. Uh, he he's a he's a very uh, he's a very interesting gentleman to to speak with. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly that these people should be, you know, supported financially because this is their practice area. It's, right. Uh, you know, they, they have to feed their families. I, so I, I completely understand that. Right. But uh, but for for me, this is not my practice area. Uh, all this stuff is very intricate. I only delved into this, you know, relatively recently. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, and I I make my living elsewhere in in a different practice area. But for them, this this is their bread and butter. They they should be supported. Right. And that's that's what I all think we should do. So honestly, the best thing I could probably say is uh, anybody who's listening to this, spread the word. I mean, tell people, hey, what Nassau County is doing is wrong. 
And, you know, maybe there can oh, be something 100%. much bigger than what you're doing. I mean, honestly, what you're doing is great, but maybe one of these other bigger organizations can jump in and have more plaintiffs and, and get some more attention to it. Because for too long, right. and I've said in the past, New York has been ignored when it came to gun rights. Now we're like the center. New York and New Jersey were like the center, mm-hmm. especially with the Bruin decision. But yeah, battlegrounds. Yeah, now it's, Absolutely. it's really in, getting in the involved. Field, battlegrounds. Right. So I think uh, also I, I wanted to I, I, I apologize for interrupting. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to tell you um, on, on something that you just brought up really quick. Uh, you said, what can what can the public do as far as spreading awareness? Right. They have to reach out to their elected officials. <laughs> uh, they they got to reach out. And, and, and mind you, it's, that's a massive waste. Oh, I, I think it's a massive God. waste of time. I call, right? as I call as, so many people. Yeah. Let me tell you, I, I call so many. I kept a running notepad in my phone of who I called, when, about what, et cetera, especially when all this semi-auto rifle law was going on, the CCIA, mm-hmm. everything. And just from my personal experience, and just this is my own opinion, obviously not not of yours, but they don't give a shit. They passed these laws. Like I said, my my senator, Kevin Thomas, who took over Todd Kaminsky's right. district where I live, I've called him. I've I've dis- voiced my displeasure in a very respectful way, very informed, very knowledgeable yeah. way. They don't care. They don't care. And they fl- they pass these yeah, laws I, I that fly you. in the face of Bruin. After Bruin passed, like people are like, oh, we shouldn't have done that because we created more laws. It's like, no, all the state had to do was listen to the Supreme Court and say, you can't do this, and right. then, but they just did it anyway. So these people, yeah, you yeah, can no, no, flood I, their. I, I completely understand. Yeah, you could flood their voicemails, call their staffers. You know, they have these young staffers, and when you bring up a law or a proposed bill or something, they're like, um, I don't really know about that, but I could get you to somebody who might. I'll take down your information, sure. and then you never hear from them. Oh, yeah. So you could I've flood heard of them that so many times. Yep, flood their voicemails, flood their emails, call them, pester them. You could call Bruce Blakeman's office. That guy who, as I, in my opinion, has been selling us out. Um. Especially when it comes to Nelson no way. Pistol. <laughs> how, how can you say such things? Yeah. How can you say such things about Mr. Blakeman? Well, no. What I, what I'll tell you is that um, I I agree with that sentiment. Okay. I, I understand that uh, it it would appear that it's a massive waste of time, and I agree in most respects. But these are politicians. Okay. If if there's a feeling that the issue is becoming uh, so resoundingly important to their constituency that they might be primaried. They might not be elected next time around. It might move the scale in the right direction, or it might not. Right. But that's not the only thing that the, the public can do. Okay, what, what they also can do is they can test the system. Because, you know, just, just like I did, they can try and go to the licensing, uh, the pistol licensing section, and... They can try to go in there and submit the PVB three. Right. Yeah, they can. And they're, and they're gonna get denied. I I expect them oh, yeah. to get denied, <laughs> right? Uh, submit the bare submit the most bare bones PPB three form that you can possibly come up with. Something that's compliant with the letter of the law. Go in there, uh, bring it in. They're gonna say no. Right. Um, take some notes uh, on specifically what was discussed who you spoke with, and you've got yourself a potential case. Yeah. You might not be able to to file a lawsuit on your own, right. but reach out to lawyers that are that have a particular interest in this, and you will potentially have standing, and and you might make a real difference right. through the court system. That that's 
what it what it's going to take at this point because calling up I I get it it's 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 not particularly useful in the short term but maybe uh, some of our local county executives when it comes to re-election uh, maybe their own parties are going to recognize that look we can't support a candidate that you know forget about uh, arming people with AR15s you know we we can we can uh, ha- have a whole big discussion on that on on the appropriate as whatever but maybe the republican party doesn't want to put a candidate in there that um has the that is uh, essentially pushing the same type of policies that have existed for all these years that where it's so difficult to right. exercise one's second amendment rights and and these executives they don't really push back on it they don't change anything even though they're the ones that have the power to correct the issue in mere minutes it's completely within their power to do so and they ignore it oh, yeah. so if there's a, if there's enough of a um, if there's enough noise being made, maybe these politicians will act differently when it comes time to uh, like a primary. Yeah. You know, primaries aren't aren't guaranteed. You're not just because you're the incumbent doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get you know put into the same exact position again. But and and test the system. Right. Test it out. Go and and file the PPB three form and get denied because you're going to have standing. And, and mind you, the, the the judge in my case said I have standing, okay. which is a, that that's the nuclear option for a lot of these uh, these uh, attorneys that represent the state, the counties. Their their main thing that they want to do is get rid of these lawsuits based off of standing. And my case survived. My case survived on fingerprinting. <laughs> my case survived on delay. Yeah. These are these are issues, but even in my case, where the judge, um, you know, gave a disfavorable and, and and dismissed a lot of things, my case still exists, um, and it's, and is going to go forward even at the trial level, as to the delayed fingerprinting and, and there was something else I think uh, too, besides that. Um, I'll tell I'll tell you right now on the bottom where it says oh and. Uh, by the way, the TRO that was issued in my case, yeah. it still stands, according oh, to the judge. Excellent. The TRO remains in effect until further order of the court. And the first cause of action is, the second cause of action is dismissed to the extent that is alleged that the delay in scheduling fingerprinting is arbitrary and capricious. Mm. Yes, and, it is. And, oh, and, uh, do you remember the references issue in, in, in my case where the, where the judge basically said, well, why is it at the county level that... Uh, you can't choose law enforcement as your character references. Right, but on the Why can't you basis. choose people that are related by family? Right. Why can't you do that? So th- those things fortunately have survived. So we'll, we'll see how that, how that goes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think this is a good point to wrap this up. Um, I hope that in the future you can give me updates as you work your way through the legal system. And um, honestly, I mean, I, I really wish the best for this case for you for everything going forward i hope they give you your pistol license i hope that you're... i wish this for you as well because this doesn't just affect me yeah no. i didn't do it just for me right and that's that's the it biggest thing here man i mean really like i just i get information out there i sit in a room and i talk for an hour or so and i get information out there to people but i mean your your boots on the ground taking it to uh you know taking it to the man as they say 
But um, I hope in the future you you keep us updated with anything going on, um, and we'll have you back on the show anytime you want. Talk about anything you want. If you want to talk about, thank you, thank you so much. You want to talk about guns? You want to talk about bitching about the government? You want to talk about anything? Feel free to come on anytime. I don't know anything about guns, really. Oh well, we're gonna change (laughs) that. You got to change that, my man. You gotta gotta you know, like for example, if I were to ask you this question before we go, if you could have any gun that regardless of state laws like if this if the laws weren't in existence if you could have like one gun what would it be yeah uh that's interesting because i've looked into pistols that i potentially want to get and i don't know if you know about this one specifically the the rock island armory uh a 1911 in 30 uh 380 caliber yes you, you know what i'm talking about the, yes. the baby rock yes that's nice i think it looks so cool it is. It's a very Rock Island makes some really good guns for the money. They're made over in the Philippines, I believe. They make them in forty-five, nine millimeter, three eighty, in different sizes. But yeah, no, that's a cool gun. It's a cool, yeah. And 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 with my with my uh, with my lady hands, I'm not exactly the 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 biggest uh, gentleman on the planet. So uh, you know, I th- I think that uh, a little piece like that would uh, probably uh, do wonders. I think so too. I think it'll be. Stature. I think it'll be effective for you. But uh, Joseph, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And like I said, I wish you so much luck in the future with everything going forward. Thank you. Sorry if, again for being long-winded. No, but it's perfect. This on. is great. Uh, you're a lawyer. <laughs> we talk about law all the time. It's nice to hear from the other side and procedure and what what it takes to actually do this. What you had to go through. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. Not not easy, but we'll, you know we're we're moving in the right direction. I think. All right. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and um, catch you on the next one.